give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Amen. We know that's not on our own strength. That's because he's calling us home. He's given us something inside of us to change these bodies from mortal to immortality. Amen. I like that song, but it's almost a little bit deceiving. Because it's like you're going to fly to another location when all you're doing is changing your dimensional existence. You're just stepping from time into eternity. Amen. But it don't matter. It's away from this sinful world. And this world will be renovated in our absence. And we'll come back on the ashes of the wicked. What a wonderful time. Amen. Amen. Did you love the Lord? It's good to be in this house again this morning. I want to welcome everybody here. and I just want to welcome the visitors, those who came announced, and those who flew in under the radar. I want to say welcome, and uh, God bless you. Welcome to the regulars that are back again in the house of the Lord, the Kessers, brother. Brother Dave, sister Alyssa, hardly recognize you. God bless you. You know, we all wish we could go south sometimes. We come back, change people. <laughs> On the outside, but they're different on the inside too. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's take our Bibles together. Turn to the book of James, James chapter 1. Thank you to the musicians there. It's always such a fine orchestra we have. And it's good it's not just the regular Sunday morning orchestra. There's always someone that can fill in and you hardly notice the difference. Why? Because they've, they've prepared their gifts. They've given their talents to the Lord. We thank the Lord for that. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. If you have a need on your heart this morning, you want to just show it to the Lord with an uplifted hand. Just show it to him now. He sees that. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are here. For, Lord, we have assurance in your word, as was prayed this morning, where two or three are gathered in your name, you'd be there in the midst of them. That doesn't sound like some great revelation, but Father, we are so reliant upon it. Lord, we rely on your word. Father, without it, where would we be? Lord, for by it, Lord, by faith in that word, we're saved. By faith in that, Lord, we overcome. By faith in those things, Lord, we know that you're here. Lord, we look to you this morning that you'd reveal it once more. Open your word to our eyes. Really, Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. Father, that we could see of a surety the day that we're living in, Lord. And know that you're here to lead and guide us safely home. Father, may you just come and uh, lift up those who are downtrodden, Lord. And encourage, Lord, those who are depressed, Lord. Those who have, Lord, perhaps had a hard week or a rough time. Lord, you're here for them. Father, you're here to be a friend and a comfort and encouragement, Lord. And for those who have thought too highly of ourselves, Lord, may you put us in our place this morning. 
Lord, whatever your will is, we just want to lay ourselves at your feet. Surrender our will to yours and ask that you would have the preeminence in the service, Lord. For you know all of the needs that are represented by the hands. Lord, you've heard the needs that were written out, those that are unspoken, Lord. You know them, Father. You know every hair of our head, Lord. There is nothing hid from you. Lord, we just lay our lives now at your feet. Father, would you come and answer them, Lord? Take the notes, Lord. Take the scriptures. Take, Father, this voice, Lord, and use it for your glory and for your honor. Lord, may you inhabit now the praises of your people, Father, as we've sang to you and made you welcome, Lord. We've not done these things to hear the sound of our own voices, but, Lord, we've sung, oh, God, because we love to worship you. We love to come and sit at your feet. We love, oh, God, to lift you up and to bring glory and honor and praise unto you. And now, Father, we ask that you would return unto us the bread that you've allotted for us today. Lord, we give to you this service now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James chapter 1 and verse 18. I want to continue this morning in the, the series I've been in, and we won't give it a subtitle this morning because I doubt I will get to where I want to go, but we'll just call it Wisdom by Revelation Part 4. And uh, we'll start in verse 18 of James chapter 1 where it said, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, Slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway he forgetteth what manner of man he was. And whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he shall not be, he being not a forgetful hearer, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. And to keep themselves unspotted from the world. Amen. Amen. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of the word. You may have your seats. Let's turn also over, if you would, to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. I want to just make note of a few things here. And really, you could spend the entire service on this scripture as there's so much in here. As James begins to describe and saying, we, uh, He, Jesus Christ, the Father of His own will, begat us with the word of truth. 
We aren't born of anything else. We're not born of our own desire, but of the word of truth. We're born of this word because he said that there is such thing as a new birth. Because Jesus came and said, except a man be born again. That's all we have to go on is the word of God. We don't have anything else to, to bank our salvation on, to bank our redemption on, to say, well, I got something else. No, we need to lay aside every other teaching, every teaching of man, every other way and say, Lord, all I have is your word to go on that says, I must be born again, that the kingdom of heaven is within me, even in the times where I don't feel like it, where I feel like I'm so far removed from God, because his word said... Not based on my circumstances or my feelings. Because the word of God says that I'm born again. Because the word of God says his kingdom is within me. Because of that I can bank on it and say I know it's within me. I know there's a power in me that's greater than the world. Even when it seems like I'm drowning in the cares of this life. Why? Because we oftentimes are so busy looking at our circumstances we forget to look up. And forget to realize there is a light. Where does the sun shine from? It doesn't shine, it doesn't shine from under the water. It's, it shines from heaven. It shines from up. You've got to look up. The plants, when they grow in the earth, they grow towards the light. They grow up. They don't grow down. They put roots down to suck up nutrients in order to push closer to the light. Amen. It's all a type. It's a natural typing, the spiritual. What are you doing? Are you looking up, pushing towards the light? Or are you busy looking forward and looking around? But now we're born of his own word where we get, we're born of the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Amen. A part of the new creation of God. He was the first. He was the beginning of the creation. Jesus, he was the beginning that there would be many come after him, molded and shaped into his image. Amen. He wasn't looking to be God way up here above everybody. He wanted to be God with us. God in us, having fellowship with us and through us. Oh, praise be to God. Amen. In this word, it says to be swift to hear. Be swift to hear. Not sluggish, not slow, not coming to church, feeling like, oh man, I don't want to be here. I, this is, I got so many other places to be. Be swift to hear. When the church doors are open, be there. What about your devotions every day? Is it something that you're pushing towards that you want to be in the presence of the Lord? You want to hear what he has to say. You want to read the quotes. You want to read the scriptures. You want to be swift to hear, but it says also be slow to speak. In other words, don't be so judgmental right away. Slow to wrath. When he sees your brother fall, your sister stumble, don't be instantly, oh, well, they didn't need to know this. They just need to see this word. See, they're falling short here. See, they need this revelation over here. Be swift to hear, but be slow to speak. Be slow to wrath. Hallelujah, for the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. It doesn't work that way. We can't produce in our own selves, I'll push someone into being righteous. I'll push someone into being a Christian. I think we know by this time in the message it doesn't work that way. Amen. There's been plenty of people trying. It just doesn't quite work. Because I can tell you right now from experience, if you try and talk someone into it, the devil will sure be able to talk them out. Because no matter how good at reasoning and, and debating I am, he's better. That's the truth. Satan's better at debating than I am. The only one that could beat him is God. 
So it's got to be a revelation from God in the soul of a man in order to overcome the power of the enemy. Be doers of the word. Oh, not just hearers. If you're just a hearer, you're deceiving your own self. Oh, my. We better go over to Colossians or we're going to get so far ahead of ourselves. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, walk in wisdom to them that are without. Now, in other words, don't try and be amongst your brothers trying to say, I'm more wise than you. But to them that are without, there should be something about you. Like when they looked at the disciples, they took notice these ones had been with Jesus. To those that were without. Jesus often cut them short when they begin to look at each other and say, who's the greatest? Who will sit on your right? Who will sit on your left hand? Who is it? Why, why did you say to this one that he'd live to see your coming? What about me? Jesus would cut them short. Why? Because it wasn't about brother to brother and striving and I'm better and this one's somebody, me great and you little and this and that. No, it was walk to those that are without, that there's something different about that individual, that that person has something in their life that I don't have. They're walking according to a wisdom that this world knows nothing of. Walk in wisdom to them that are without. Then it says redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Now, this is a scripture that has been preached on many times, even though, to be honest with you, Brother Branham doesn't, uh, doesn't speak on it all that much. And we're going to preach on it today. Redeeming the time. I want you to take notice here. It doesn't say redeeming our time. It says redeeming the time. Now, Brother Branham takes it one place, and he says it in the message, the, his wonders to, to perform. He says, oh, friend, I hope the, the little lady today doesn't take this too personally. But it's my daughter-in-law who's setting present. He says, this has been, oh my, wrong quote, there we go. He says, it's been a while. Those who went on Emmaus, those who went to Emmaus along the road begin to talk with him. That he stepped out of the bushes, begin to talk about him, that he stepped out of the bushes and walked with them through that day. The reason we don't have the spiritual blessings is we spend too much time watching YouTube. So he says television, but I got to update it today. Because we've done kick the televisions out. But we've, we've brought the iPads in and the smartphones. So, we got to update a little bit, right? Spent too much time watching television, watching the internet, watching whatever we could find on there. The little thing, the little gif that someone sent me and all these things. Too much time to read the newspapers. We don't read the newspapers anymore. Nobody's getting the newspaper delivered to them anymore. Nowadays, we all go out online. We spend too much time. The first thing we do when we get up in the morning, what's CNN got today? What's CBC got today? What's Fox News got today? What's whatever else got today? I, I don't know any other ones. Sorry, I don't, I don't read that much news. Someone tells me something. I'm like, oh, that's great. It's news to me. I didn't, I didn't read it. I get tired of hearing about some things. But we spend too much time reading those things. I wonder how much time, how much we could look at it today and say, my daily devotion is to the news. Or my daily devotion is to, to, to the sports. Or my daily devotion is to the tabloids. What's our daily devotion? Yeah. See, well, we'll get to the, the word and to prayer if I got time. But I got to read this because I got to know what's going on today. No, you really don't. I did happen to see they got, they got certain articles out that they come out with every day or every week. Things you need to know today. You don't need to know them today. Amen. I've got some things you need to know today. Amen. 
Too much time to read the newspapers or listen to something we ought not to be listening to. We're not redeeming the time. But we're, going to, we're, we're, but we're giving it to the things of the world instead. We're giving what? The time. Not our time. The time. Whose time is it? Is it really our time? No, it's God's time. Who are we giving the time to when you put a value on time? Time is said to be priceless. Time is something you can't get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. So whose time really is it? Is it our time or is it God's time? And we have, by our own free will, the ability to give it to one or the other. We could give it to the world or we could give it to God of our own free will. But he's given us an allotted time of his time. Since we're not redeeming the time, but we're giving it to the things of the world instead. Our time to the Lord Jesus. The Bible said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Christians live by the word. That's a real simple statement, but mind you can really spend some time on that. Christians live by the word. Christians aren't living by what's happening in the sports. I, I drove the other day. I went through and got, got myself a, a, a Starbucks drink. Please forgive me if you don't like that. But I went through there, and I thought, man, I'm going to just have one of these. So I went through, and I, I looked through the drive through window. Everyone's sitting there talking and spending so much time, and I just begin to ponder on it. I begin to think, what more is there to laugh? Without the gospel, what is there to laugh? Without a hope of glory, without Jesus in you, what really is there? What are you living for? What are you pushing for? Then it really does become only two certain things, death and taxes. Without Christ, that's all there is. That's all you can push towards. But, but there's something greater. There's something more. There's something worth our time. Amen. That is of eternal value. Redeeming the time. Redeeming means to bring back. We often put this to say redeeming the time as a futuristic thing. This is to bring back, bring back the time. Back to what? Back to another time. Redeem the time. Back to another time. Now, Brother Branham says this in a message in 1964, Sirs, you would see Jesus. Very first opening statement. So if you're looking for it, it's not hard to find. His first opening prayer, the message opens up. Heavenly Father, we are just redeeming the time now. Until you come. Then he begins to go on and explain it in a prayer. He says, the great revival that we have so wondrously enjoyed that swept across the nation and around the world till revival fires has burned in every nation under heaven around the world at this time. Is great healing services going on all around the clock and around the world starting from a few years ago. Just simple people going out believing and brought the revival. Heavenly Father, we are now gleaning in our cities across the nation. Is there some Lord that has not yet got in? If it, if it be so, our God, we pray that you will send them. If there be any souls in Dallas or in Edmonton, let's redeemable. Grant, Lord, that somehow, someway, you will get them during this meeting. He's speaking right away of redemption. There's something happening that we're, we're living in another time. And there's something else going on. The world had their things. If you look at an encyclopedia of 1964, it's not talking about a lot of revivals. But here, Brother Bradham, the prophet to the age, begins to, to, to point something out and say, we're redeeming the time until you come. 
We're going back to a certain time. We're taking it back from the hands of the devil. We're taking it back from the things that seem important to the world. We're living in a different time. I'm going to drop a statement here and then we'll get into it. Or I'll just drop it this way. Living in heavenly places is the fulfillment of walking in wisdom and redeeming the time. Living in heavenly places is the fulfillment of walking in wisdom and redeeming the time. Turn to Romans chapter 8. The Bible makes a statement in the Sardisian church age. It says, who is the God of the earth? Man. That's his domain. Everything in the earth is subject to man. Through sin, he fell. But through Christ's redeeming power, he comes back again. That's right. Because the earth belongs to man. It was given to him and he was ruler over everything and all nature's groaning, waiting for that time. That when the sons of God will be manifested again. All my manifestations of the Son of God now, we better leave that right now, he says. But I'm not going to. We're going to carry on that. But now listen, where he begins to bring this out, he says, listen, man is the ruler of earth. Rightfully, Adam had the title deed to the earth in the Garden of Eden. He lost it because of sin. That's nothing new to us being message believers. He lost it because of sin. But then what happened? It went back into the hands of the original owner. That's the problem. That's the deception and the bluff of Satan today. He wants to make everyone believe he's got the title deed when he doesn't. Amen. That's why we're looking in the world around us is living in a time of Satan's Eden. But it's not that time for the bride. Because through Christ's redeeming power, he brought it back again. Back into the hands of man. All that we lost is back again in our hands. And all of creation is groaning for what? For the full potential. For the manifestation of that to be made manifest. Now, if you've got your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 18. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And how many of us often put this off to the other side? Yeah, there's a glory coming. There's something coming. Listen, we're going to a place that we have no understanding of. Or very little understanding of. That is so glorious and so great, we cannot even comprehend it. But it's not a switch that God just flips and now we're over there. There's a transition, it's a transformation. There's a glory over here of the bride that begins to be revealed now. Where he says that now he's speaking this for I reckon the sufferings of this present time. So he begins to speak of a time. This is a time of the world that we're living in. This is the sufferings created because of the time that the devil and his, all of his angels have created on this earth. Where there is still suffering in the bride because of that. There's a groaning. There's a travailing because of that. Because we can't stand it here anymore. Justly, if you're comfortable here, there's something wrong on the inside. But the bride of Christ has been born again. There's something that's groaning on the inside in me every day. It says, Lord, I can't be here. I can't live in this any longer. It's too much. It's a suffering. 
He says, for the earnest expectation, verse 19, of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. So there's a deliverance from the bondage, from the suffering, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Oh, praise be to God. Hallelujah. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now catch the, 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 the flowing of the scripture where he talks about a suffering in a present time because of a made subject, because of a fall, not willingly, but by subject of him, but by him who subjected himself willingly. But now there's a, there's a deliverance from this. And now from that deliverance, now there's another time. Where now uh, it, it groans together until now. Another time. That has become present by the atonement of redemption, which wasn't completed in Paul's day. It was completed in this end day by the opening of the seals. The last days. See, that's why Paul would write it almost future tense. Future tense. Why? Because redemption was not completed in that day. The atonement was made. Potentially it was finished. But until the Lamb came and took the book and took loose the seals, which happened in 1963, then all of a sudden, now it becomes complete. Now we're in another time. Not only that, but in verse, verse 23 it says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. You know, it's almost like another scripture that's almost written allegorically because you want to look at it, it's first fruits. That's talking about the 120 upper room. There is no such thing as a second fruits. It's a first fruits. The, the, there is no second helpings, second this. It's constantly replenishing the same fruit every month. Every month for 12, to, every 12 months it would replenish its fruit. It wasn't another fruit, this one's better than this one. No, it's the same fruit over and over. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the same thing. Hallelujah. It's not they got something in that day. We got a different anointing today. It's the same anointing. Praise be to God. It's the same covenant. Oh, my. Sure get distracted on that, couldn't we? The first fruits waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Hallelujah. Because Paul would even recognize this couldn't happen today. Rapturing faith couldn't happen in his day. Had to come at a time when the seals were open. Had to come at a time when something brought rapturing faith. The fullness of the mysteries being revealed would bring a faith greater than that what Paul had. Now, in the message paradox, it says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Amen. Born of a virgin, conceived God in the womb, a tabernacle in which he would dwell in. I believe that. In Christ, he was incarnate God. He was God made flesh. 
When the Father came into Jesus Christ, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwells all fullness. God the Father spoke the words, Jesus says, It's not me that speaketh, but my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the speaking. Therefore, upon this basis, him being made flesh so he could die, God paying the penalty for the human race to redeem and bring back, to come bring together the things that his own creation had lost in the fall. He redeemed it back with his own life. Then in redeeming these people, and his gospel could go further, the works that I do shall you do also, and more than this shall you do. Greater than these shall you do. For I go to my Father. A little while the world shall see me no more. Yet you'll see me for I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. And Brother Brown says, and now we're down to the end time. Christ is returning. It has returned in the form of his Holy Spirit. In the fullness of his power into the church to manifest himself. Now what's happened is now it's, it's not all that God was he poured into Christ. And Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but he didn't take and put a part of his power in the church. It was all that was in Christ he put into the church. All that was there is all the fullness of the power. I love the way Brother Maxwell put it last Sunday night. Christ took in healing and he put out healing. It's a constant taking in and a putting out. Oh, if we recognize that even as believers, as the bride of Christ, it's got to be a taking in and it's got to be a putting back out. Praise be to God. It's not just a take, 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 but it's a ministering unto the body of Jesus Christ because it is a body ministry. But now we're at this end time when Christ, he has returned the form of his spirit in the fullness of his power in the church. For what purpose? To manifest himself. But it says creation was groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. What is that manifestation? It's a manifestation of himself. It's a greater revealing or unfolding of who he is. Praise be to God that that's what Jesus Christ was when he came. It was a greater revealing of Jehovah. He was always God above. He was always God in the heavens. And they had the temple worship. Only one man could go into the holiest of holies. Once a year was a high priest and all of these things. It was a God way up there. But then it came down to God with us. It came right down. It was the threefold purpose of God in the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he really is. Praise be to God. And he would come right down amongst the people. And most of everybody missed it. But what was it? It was God walking right in their midst. That he would be able to perceive their thoughts. He would be able to know exactly what they're going to do, what they're going to think. They'd take him out to push him off a cliff and he just walked right through their midst. He was God. He was the one that blinded the eyes of the Sumerian army or of the, the Syrian army and brought them into the capital, Samaria. He's the same God that when they took him out on a cliff to push him off, he just blinded their eyes and walked right through. So they couldn't recognize he's the one. He was the same God. He was revealing himself. I am that I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Oh, hallelujah. Today it's no different. That he's coming his spirit down in the fullness of his power into a many-membered body. That we would be of the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my. So that he could reveal himself in a great power, in a great way amongst people. Who would catch who he really is. And still, 
Most everybody misses it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It's interesting because it says it twice in the Bible, redeeming the time. Paul writes both of them. He writes the two separate churches and the same thing, writes redeeming the time. But he says it this way and this time. He says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What does that mean, circumspectly? Circumspectly is to examine carefully all of the circumstances that may affect the determination. In other words, leave nothing to chance. Don't leave it to a hope so. Amen. Don't leave it to, I think I got it. I think I'm going to be okay. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 verse 10, it says, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Be sure of it. Be absolutely certain. You heard the message on Wednesday. Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Are you really sure you're calling your election? You say, I'm elect. Is that just a hope? So is that just something we say off the cuff? Oh, I'm the elect. Or are you sure of it? Are you absolutely positive that if the coming was today, I'm going because I'm elected? He says that if you make it sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you make it sure, it doesn't come out as condemnation constantly, but it becomes an entrance to heaven. It becomes an entrance into the, the everlasting kingdom of the Lord, it begins to be ministered unto you that you can't wait to come to church. You can't wait to get on your knees. You can't wait to be in the Word. Why? Because it's an entrance into the kingdom of heaven that is ministered unto you. Oh, my. Let me read the Word in that way. That every time I'd open the Bible, every time I'd read the message, it'd be something just calling me up a little higher. Oh, I was in the message yesterday. I just read the message, God of this evil age. And there come, we were bare. I was barely 10 pages in. I just fell on my knees. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, make it real to me. I need to know. If you go back to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's speaking of two different times, redeeming the time, a time being brought back to one versus the days, a time that is evil. There's two times being lived out on the earth right now. There's a bright age that only the bride is in. And there's a Laodicean age that the world is in. They're relaxed. They're comfortable. Oh, they're naked. And they don't even know it. They're blind. They don't even know it. They've got theologians teaching things that are a million miles off. Oh, but Brother Bradham says, at least in the message, go to this evil age. But that won't confuse the bride. Hallelujah. But there's two spirits that are so close it would deceive the very elected if it was possible. Why? Because it's not them out there. It's right here. What are we preaching? Are we preaching the word? I sure hope so. 
Amen. The days are evil. That's no surprise. Look, does anybody here go, oh, I didn't know that. No, the days are evil. It's evil out there. It's evil on every hand. Brother Branham talked about the sin and the, the nakedness of a woman wearing a bikini. So, oh, how disgusting and how gross. He said, they're, 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 they're prostitutes. They might have lived so true to their husband, he says, but it's a prostitute spirit on them. What about the now today you got men wearing them? What? Shame. It's an evil day. Is this the age you want to be associated with? Say, yeah, I'm a part of Laodicea. No, I'm not. I'm a part of a bride. I'm living in another time. I'm not represented to say, oh, I've got to answer for this. I don't have to answer for that. That's not what I came from. Oh, I'm not a part of that. I'm part of something better. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It almost seems like that's a different verse to follow the other verse when we read in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 where it says this, is let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Redeem the time that you may know how to answer every man. It says redeem the time that you may, there we go, that you may be understanding what the will of God is. Walk in wisdom that you may understand what the will of God is. Know what you ought to answer. Oh, that's important. Know what time you're living in. Know the time that you've been redeemed back to. You're not redeemed back to sin and and all of the the corruption. You're redeemed to something greater. Greater is he that's in us. Go to John chapter 5 and verse 24. John 5, verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into the condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We'll come back to that in just a moment. If you go back to John 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the, 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 the trick of today that they all want to say is God loves the world. What world does he love? He's not looking at this sinful world saying, I love the sin. No, God so loved the world, he looks back to the way he created it. His Eden, not Satan's Eden, his Eden. He's looking back, I love that, and I'm redeeming it back to that time. I'm redeeming it back to the fullness when all of the creation, all of the dominion was given to my sons, and my sons were made manifest. Oh, my God so loved the world. Understand in verse 24 of chapter 5, very, very, I send you, he that heareth my word. Brother Branham says, let me straighten you out on this little scripture. When, when he says, I think we're off the phone, but we're still here. St. John 5, 14, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. He says, look, you go down the street, literally, what is it? Without spiritual understanding. 
not making it say nothing else, but just saying what it says. See, the right word there in the Greek says, he that understandeth my word. Now, that proved, to prove that's right, I go down here. Here's a drunk coming down the street and with some other man's wife in his arms and cursing and talking, taking God's name in vain and everything else like that. The same man say, oh, did you hear what the preacher said? Did you? Yeah, I heard it. That don't mean he's got eternal life. The ability or the faculty of hearing in the outer body does not give you eternal life. But it says, he that understandeth my word. He that is an eagle. Now, Brother Branham, I want more scripture than that. Okay, here's another one. My sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. That takes some understanding. Hallelujah. If you just come and you close your eyes and you turn, to, heard two brothers you never heard before, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between one or the other. But you heard them. It takes some understanding. It takes some getting to know them. To know what it really is. To know who's who. Who's really speaking. That word understand, her word here actually in the, in the Greek, Brother Branham refers to it as a, as a cue, which is to understand or perceive the sense of what is said, to comprehend it, to understand it. Yep. Now, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 3. We're moving quickly, but trust me, there's a reason. Ephesians chapter 3. Are you with me still? Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth. The height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I don't even really have to ask the question, but really, how many of us have been in a service, especially in special meetings or even? In the regular meetings where you go, man, I did not see that coming. Man, that was way beyond the presence of God was so much greater than I've ever experienced before. I sat in meetings like that over and over again. I think, man, there's no way it could get better than that. And then you come to the next one and it's like, there's no way it could get better than that. I like saying that now because like it challenges God, you know. Or it just challenges, no way it could get better. God says, oh yeah, it sure can. I'm the infinite God. I can always do better. (laughs) Hallelujah. He doesn't stop. And when he moves, he moves. Thank you. Amen. The message letting off the pressure, he says, and today we find ourselves with the world under our feet. People think we're crazy. Don't you know the whole world belongs to us? (laughs) Oh, my. I can run back and forth like Brother Maxwell right now. 
Don't you know the whole world belongs to us? So, Brother Andrew, look around you. Look at Trudeau's ruling this. Trump's doing that. You got terrorists over in the Middle East. You got this one over here. Everybody's out to get Israel. This has happened over here. The world doesn't belong to me. You're living in the wrong time. You're so busy caught up in Satan's in and you're forgetting to say the title D's been put back into the hands of the sons of God. Oh, hallelujah. The whole world belongs to you. It's all yours, don't you see? Let them say you're crazy. Who cares? They thought Jesus was crazy when he said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. Why? Because he had the word of God that told them this is the way it is. Oh, praise be to God. This revelation, it's not based on some far-fetched idea. It's based on the same word of God that Jesus lived his life by. Oh, praise be to God. How can you buy peace with money? It's been tried a number of times. But buy love with money. What's, that's what the nations are trying to do. Joy with money. Go down to the drugstore. Give me a quarter's worth of joy. Oh, I could sure use it. Oh, hallelujah. I could even use it right now and I feel joyful. Go buy me a quarter's worth of joy. You can't do it. It's impossible, but it's free. It's a gift of God. It comes from God, and it's free to his children that are in the refuge of Christ to those who have risen with him in heavenly places. Wait a second. Didn't I make that statement before? Living in heavenly places is the secret to walking in wisdom and redeeming the time. Why? Because if you're living in heavenly places, you've recognized something. I've got a free gift. Oh, I got a free gift of salvation. It's so much more than that. I got a free gift of joy. I got a free gift of peace. That when the world around me is crumbling, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. I can hold my head up high because I'm not living in this time. I've been redeemed out of this time. I've been redeemed out of it. And my feet set on a heavenly plane into another time that the world can't see. Oh, it's free. Right now we're seated with him. In him, the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Oh, hallelujah. They're not just shaking and trembling their boots. I'm just going to stay in this strong tower. I don't know if it's really going to hold. No, they're safe. There's a safety. Oh, praise be to God. In a baseball game, when the umpire says safe, that settles it. The man doesn't have to sit there for another half an hour thinking, well, maybe he was wrong. Maybe they're going to overturn that call. Safe is safe. Praise God. That's what our umpire has said. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into, and they're safe. And safe is safe. No matter what the toothless devil wants to try and fight you with, what he wants to try and tell you, you're safe. Oh, praise be to God. Now, this next quote I got for you, it comes from a body ministry. Because I was reading God of this evil age, and I stopped one page short of this quote. That's okay, because God had it in mind, and he had Brother John send it to a text jet message to me. Say, hey, I just read this quote. You think about this quote. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes we get to think that a minister's got to be somebody. He's got to be some great gift. He's got to know everything himself. What about a body ministry where every joint supplies? We can lean on one another a little bit. Oh, we should be living in such a day where the ministry's not up here and everyone else is down here. No, we should be living in a day where we're on an even playing field, where we're looking at each other. We're not walking in wisdom to those on the outside going, oh, i never seen that before. You know, Brother Branham says you shouldn't be coming to church to hear new things. 
You should be getting revelation down on your knees. You should be getting revelation in the Word of God. You should be coming to church to strengthen that revelation, to make it a calling and an election, sure, to make sure, yeah, I thought the same thing. I got that in my prayer closet. Now Brother Andrew's preaching it. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's also the house of correction, in case you're wondering. Where you come and say, I got this great revelation. The preacher comes and straightens it all out. You say, oh, no, mine's better. You better straighten up. I like church. I like it more when I'm sitting there, okay? Don't get confused here. Say, oh, brother, you're the one doing the corrective. Of course you like it. No, I like it more when I'm sitting down there. Amen, brother Ray. That wasn't for brother Ray Adrian. That was for brother last name Ray. I won't make any more known unto him because he came in under the radar. Message God of this evil age. Just as your natural life and traits is handed down from the natural breeding of your father. Sometimes we get so stumbled in that one. Oh man, I got this from my dad. Yeah, that's why. No, 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 there's something else here. So is the Spirit of God that, has predest- that was predestinated before the foundation of the world. So what's that statement? He's saying, you got natural traits from your father, from your mother that came to you naturally handed down by your natural birth. But there's a second birth. There's a spiritual birth that hands down traits from the father of that birth. That hands it down to you that you ain't got no choice about. Hallelujah. You couldn't choose your traits of your father and say, well, I'll take the good one and get rid of the bad one. No, you don't have a choice about your second birth either. Every trait, it's yours. That's why if someone's just filled with the Holy Ghost, they can't deny one part of the word and take the other part of the word. They got to take it all because it's not a choice. It's a birth. Hallelujah. He says, and when the entire word of God incomplete was headed up in a human body called Jesus Christ. In there, God made me pay for my sins in, the, in him there. <laughs> what did he say? In there, God made me pay for my sins in him there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who paid for your sins? He paid for my sins. But I was there. I was in him. Then he rose and raised me up with him in the resurrection. And now we're seated with him with power and authority over every devil. Oh, I hope you can recognize that by now. The name of the Lord, brother, is a strong tower. You got safety there from everything. Every devil is under your feet. Every cancerous devil is under your feet. Oh, my, I was thinking, I was reading to my children the other day about Brother Brennan when he got the amoebas in his stomach in Africa. Right? Remember I was talking about last time, how I was reading to them and about the, what happened in Durban and South Africa and things. Well, now you carry on the story. He, what happened, he found out he had amoebas. And the doctor come and said, there's no hope. There's nothing else I can do for you. If it gets to your brain, you got 10 hours, you're dead. He goes home all distressed. And the angel of the Lord wakes him up. Like, woo, the angel of the Lord's here. The angel of the Lord says, go get your daughter, drink of water. Well, he cares about the little things. Oh, hallelujah. He cares about the little things. 
And it was more than that because he took his daughter and he got her a drink of water. He drank the whole thing. And he went later and made his bed beside her in his place. And he went alone into the baby's room. Only God knows everything. I can't talk to you here, Brother Branham. i got to get you alone. So we'll get your baby a drink of water. It's going to get you out of the presence of your wife. It's going to get you alone into a room where I can come down and talk to you. And he begins to be awake there, and he begins to call on the name of the Lord there. And the angel comes down to him in one of the most powerful ways he's ever come down to him. It comes down to him once. And he thinks, oh, man, I, I just, I'm still not exactly sure what my future holds. It comes down again. And he thinks, oh, I wish I would ask him this, and it comes again. And there was such a presence of the Lord in there that as he's kneeling on the floor when he comes to himself in the morning, the Bible comes right off his bedside table and floats with an unseen hand right down to him and points to this scripture. And as soon as he finishes reading what God wanted to read, it just flips over to the next one and points to that scripture in Joshua. And he begins to read that scripture. Why? What's happening? God has begins to give his diagnosis to show him every devil is under his feet. Why? Because Brother Branham had walked for months and months. Oh, he began to get weeks and he began to say, oh, my ministry's over. He was so busy, even the prophet of God, looking at the circumstances saying it's over. The doctors told me it's over. I'll never preach again. This is terrible. But the angel come in. And give his diagnosis. He said, every devil is under your foot. Oh, we just had it happen today where three men got together. One of them, the angel said, your cancer is getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. But two brothers come to him and they begin to pray. And the angel of the Lord come by the way. And he said, I feel like a new man. We know who we're talking about, Brother Ron Spencer. Oh my, you say, oh, that only happens to those brothers. No, there was another man that was in a hospital recently. And the doctor said, if you would have fell any other way, you'd be dead. Brother Lloyd, there's only three ways to sin. One is brain failure or you'll be a vegetable. Number two is you're dead. Number three is as you are. But God will carry over the little things to make a fall in such a way. Sometimes I wonder if these things happen because we get a little relaxed in our prayer life. We need a couple little trials in the bride, in the body, to get us all on our knees again and say, Lord, remember Brother Lloyd. Remember Brother Spencer. Remember Brother so-and-so. Why? Because every devil's under our foot. We need to stop pointing to the individual and say, well, they must have done something wrong. They must have hurt God. They must have done something. No, maybe it's about me. Maybe it's because i got to get on my knees and bring up the body of Christ a little bit more because I'm not doing my part. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. It says, now we're seated with him with authority and power over every devil. Oh, if you could only believe what God has given, if you're not seated there, you don't have it. In other words, don't deceive yourself. Don't be a hearer of the word and say, I got it. No, be a doer of the word also. Let it really sink into your heart. Really receive what's being spoken. Because if you're not seated there, you don't have it. And that's where many people, many chickens, I'll say it this way, have been exposed. They thought they were eagles, but it was an eagle had them in his tail and carrying them all the way up high. And he thought he was an eagle, but he was still a chicken. So I say, I got it, I got it, I got it. Cluck, 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 cluck. Not living the life. Not having the revelation of God in his own heart. 
But when it came time to really cast out a devil, it came down and it said, well, Paul we know. Yeah. Well, Brother Branham we know. But who are you? Yeah. Oh, my. How many of those people have got lifted up themselves, decided to design something that they're going to push the bride forward? All right, I'm here. They made it believe the sign. I'm going to push the bride forward. Till the devil said, okay, who are you? You want to play? Let's play. Say, oh, that's straight. Yeah. That's the way the word of God is. It's straight. You want to really dance with the devil? You better be ready to dance. That's a fighting term. Sorry. You want to be ready to fight with the devil? You better have something in you to fight. The ram would talk about getting in the ring with six second Smith. He was just a boy and he just punched him right out of the ring. He says, You'll appreciate it one day when he got in the ring with someone on his own level, then he could really fight. Sometimes it's hard in the Word of God when you come to church. Something hurts, but you'll appreciate it. Why? Because when you get out there with the devil, you're going to need it. Because he's a hard hitter, he knows your weak spot too. But if you're there, if you're seated in heavenly places, greater is he that's in you. Amen. If you're seated there and don't believe it and afraid to use it, you'll never use it. But if you're seated there, you will use it. For you're ordained to do it. Like I said, by that, that second birth, you inherited it all. You don't have a choice in the matter. You're ordained to do it. You're elected. You're predestinated unto adoption. So how will I ever come to adoption? You're predestinated to it. It's not in your hands. It's in his hands. Do you really know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the glory that God's got for you, of the faith? That God has given to you once delivered to the church. Do you really know it? Can you comprehend it? Paul says if Christ is in your heart, then you're rooted in love. James says that he begat us by this same word of truth. That we would be like the first fruits. A creature of his. So that we can look into the perfect law of liberty. And so that we could understand the breadth, we could comprehend the height, we could comprehend the length, we could comprehend the, le- the depth. Oh my, there's so much to it. Brother Branham puts it, if you're seated with him, you're ordained to use the law of liberty. <laughs> you're ordained to comprehend the calling for which you're called. You might not understand it right now, but you're ordained to it, You will. God's bringing you to that. He's molding you and shaping you so that you can fit exactly where he's predestinated you to fit. We've been redeemed back to full authority and power. Living in another time within the rest of the world because Satan's eating out there, but not the bride. She's been redeemed back. Exactly what Paul spoke in Romans. There's a present time, but it can't be, can't be compared. Everything and everyone, creation is groaning together until what time? Now. Another time. 
an end time when all the mystery has been revealed and there's a people there to catch it? What good would it do to reveal something if there's no one there to understand it? To a coming glory. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. says this, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He ordained it. It wasn't an option. By his foreknowledge he predestinated so that you could come to a glory. In Colossians 1 verse 25 says, wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations which is now made manifest to his saints to whom God hath made, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise be to God. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. This is an entirely different entity than faith. But the Branham would say in this, he said, but where, where Paul would write Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, where right, there's faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is charity. But the Branham says these are three different elements. You can have faith and not have love. That's why a sinner can come in, completely a sinful person, and be healed. Not have the love of God in their heart whatsoever. Why? Because faith is a different element. But hope is another element. Hope is something that's put in you regardless of your thoughts and circumstances. Because hope is something that you have in the darkest of time that you're looking to something greater. That's why it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. That there's, and by faith you can now come and obtain what that hope has given you hope for. Because hope, because faith is not a hope. Faith is a substance. Faith is a different element. It's something that you have and grasp altogether. Yeah. It's a sixth sense, Brother Branham would call it. If you all know what love is, the element of love, well, that's God. Walk in the wisdom of God. Walk in wisdom to them with or without. Walk in the wisdom of God. What is it? To walk in the glory that he ordained for us. With the world under your feet. With every devil under your feet. There is no greater glory than to be lifted up. All of man have sought it in their own way, according to man's wisdom. They've done business and there's men that have decided the richest man on earth just gave himself a, what did he do, a $10 billion to climate change to try and save the earth. That was a waste of money. Sorry, I just know what my opinion. That's my opinion. That's my opinion, okay? But that's what he did. He did those things. Why? Because he's lifting, he's, he's got himself lifted up to such a place where he's above everybody else. But God says, I've lifted up a people that were just a simple people. Amen. But by faith they believed in me and I put them way above that. Amen. I put them in a whole nother time. This is a time zone the world doesn't calculate. They don't got a clock to know what time it is. 
The world's all messed up. My God, today we're living in 2020. If you go over into uh, Ethiopia, they're still in 2012. Other places have other calendars. It's all messed up. Different, different ones. The month of, we learned about the other day, the month of Abib. That we talk about that. Well, that, that's April. To us, it's the fourth. To them, the Persians, that's the first month. It's a different time. They're all, it's everything. This is the wisdom of man. But to God, he's lifted us up into another time called eternity. The world under our feet. It's a wonderful revelation. But when revelation becomes wisdom, by experience. Now here's what I wanted to get to, and we're just going to just delve into it a bit, and then we'll save it for another time. You'll have to come back to hear the rest of the story. When, wisdom, when revelation becomes wisdom, then nobody can challenge you on it. Because then you're walking in it. Like Brother Branham, when Brother Branham, when he preached and it became revelation to him, the serpent seed. He's seen it in the Bible. And it became revelation to him, the Godhead. It became revelation in water baptism. But then after the seals were revealed, then Brother Branham would say, now challenge me on it. Why? Because now it was something beyond. It wasn't just, well, this is a revelation. A revelation is no one could talk you out of it. You know it's true. But wisdom is something now that you could comprehend and understand. So when revelation is something that you know it's true and no one can take it away from you, like this, Brother, Red, Brother Branham, Brother Branham, Brother Harold, would use that as an example, right? Say, so then I would know. There's something underneath there, you don't know what it is. If I reveal it to you, that it's a microphone, right? Now you know what it is. Now, let's pretend for a moment that none of you have ever seen a microphone before. You're looking at that. It's been revealed. I'm telling you it's a microphone. But now... Seth, I'm going to need your help with this. Help me out. Shut, shut me off. But now you can hear me. See, now who can hear me? See, now everyone, all the way to the back, can raise their hands and say, yeah, I can hear you now. Why? Because now it's, it's a revelation to you. It's been revealed to you what this purpose is. Why did I show you this is a microphone? Now I've explained to you and now it's revealed to you. And you still, some of you are looking at me going, yeah, it's a microphone. It amplifies your voice. But how? There's still no wisdom in it. You know, I can't talk you out of it. I can't look at you and say in the back, you can't hear me. You can't hear me. You can't hear me, Brother Lloyd. You still can't hear me. You can't hear me. No, he's looking at me like, I can hear you, Brother Andrew, loud and clear. I can't talk about it because it's a revelation. The microphone is amplifying my voice. But it's still not wisdom to him to understand what the revelation is and how it comes about. Yeah. Oh, my. But then it would take a sound tech. I don't even have the wisdom. Thank you. Turn my regular but now I don't even have the wisdom in myself to understand exactly how all the sound wave moves and it's actually digital, how it could go down into a little Cat 6 wire, go up there into the, into the air and it could be amplified and turn it into an amplifier and put over a speaker and all these things. But there's somebody in this room that can explain it all. Yeah. 
There's somebody here, there's a few of them actually, that would be able to explain to me exactly how that all works, exactly how it all happens, and the mechanics behind it and all of the things that have to go into it. Because to them, it's wisdom. And to them, they can put it all together. And they could come and we do a renovation here and they can put all the sound pieces where they need to go. And when they come here Sunday morning, it works. My, just me being a revelation, well, I just need a microphone. Just give me a microphone. What's so hard about that? Give me a microphone. And you're like, Brother Andrew, you don't understand the wisdom behind the microphone. But to me, it's a revelation. I know I need a microphone so the people in the back can hear me. But they're like, Brother Andrew, you don't understand what a microphone all entails, what you need to have a microphone. Because to them, it's wisdom. To me, it's just revelation, see? That's what Brother Branham can preach it. He can preach serpents. He can preach all these things. Because to him, it was revelation. But then after the seals were revealed and God himself showed him... Then he could say, now come and challenge me because there's no more doubt. I know exactly where it all fits because God showed me. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And he, now he could walk in it. Oh, that's the kind of comprehension that they're talking about when, when it comes down into, into Korea. Ooh, where are we? It moved. Into Ephesians chapter 3 where it talks about this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you may be rooted and grounded in the element of love. In other words, that you'll be rooted and grounded in God so that you would be attached. There would be a root that would be sprung out, sapping strength from God himself. Hallelujah. What are you feeding on? Are you feeding on God? A Christian lives by the word. So that we may be able to comprehend, not just have revelation, but to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. God wants to bring you to such a place of adoption where you know you can speak and he'll honor your word because it's wisdom to you. You're not going to speak foolishly like a child because there's wisdom in it. Same would be me foolish as a child saying we're going to go have church out out in the field out there, but brother, I need a microphone. To them, it's foolish as Brother Andrew. I need a sound system. I need speakers. I need a microphone. I need wires. I need cable. I need adapters. I need amplifiers. I need. And they're going down the list. Why? Because it's foolishness to them. But to me, it's a revelation. This is what I need. To they're there in the wisdom telling me this is what it needs to happen. Oh, that's why we needed a prophet today. To be able to come, to rise higher than we can rise, to look and to see. An eagle vision to see the entire plan of God, to see the will of God all laid out so that we can walk according to his will. Oh, hallelujah. Now how much time you got? Boy. Oh, my. And the message, once again, God of this evil age. Brother Branham says, but the inside of that spirit is a soul. And it's controlled by one thing, your free will. You can accept what the devil says to accept or accept what God says. That'll determine what spirit is in there. It's your own free will that you determine whether there's faith or doubt in there. If it's the Spirit of God, it'll feed on the things of God. It won't feed on anything of the world. Let me say that more pronunciated so you'd understand it. It says, it'll feed on the things of God. It won't feed on anything of the world. 
You're not called to this time. You're called to another time. We're to redeem the time, to walk in wisdom. If you love the world or the things of the world, it's because the love of God is not, has not ever entered into your heart, into the innermost part. Satan has deceived you. The man shall, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That is such a powerful Powerful scripture that Jesus, after not eating for 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying and doing all of these things, comes back and Satan offers him bread, says, just turn these stones into bread. You're the son of God. You got the faith. Just do it. And there's so much power in this that he says, man shall not live by, every, by bread alone, but by every word. He's able to defeat the devil even in that situation when he's starving. He's at the point that, scientifically speaking, he needs to get food now. Right? 40 days without food. and food. You can go three days without water, but 40 days without food, and you're at the point now where you need something. Your body's collapsing within itself. You're coming down to such a point, but he's so in tune with the Scripture, with the Word. Oh, my. Better drop that there because that's for another time. The word, the logos. <laughs> I want to just, just, just wrap this up now with a couple of stories. Brother would tell a story of the Armour girl. I believe that's, I've got my story straight. But the, the girl that would, there was a dance going on and the, the rancher's son was coming from Chicago to, to choose a wife and all of the girls, they'd made themselves all prim and proper and they were ready to go in there and have a grand time and hopefully that she picked one of them. But that son was looking for something more. He was looking for character. And he'd come out of that dance kind of exhausted and weary of all the denominational brethren and all the pretenders and all the liars to themselves. And he got on down there to where there was a, just a little bride doing service to her master. There was a little woman that was out throwing the dishwasher, dishwater out. And everyone else was out dancing, having a good time like there was nothing wrong. There was a bride that was concerned, that was doing service. There was a little woman there that was concerned. And she was throwing out the dishwater. And she was out there. He, said, he began to catch her attention, say, hey, you know, who are you? How come I haven't seen you before? And he began to talk with her. And he said, one year from today, I'm going to come back and I'm going to marry you. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. How many other people heard that? Him and her. Make your calling and election sure. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. You make yours sure. Now it came down and she began to make all of these things ready. She began to make the dress ready. She began to make the flowers just right. She began to make sure everything was just right. Oh, she was still going about her duties of the day because she still was there in that time in her flesh. But she was living or looking at a different time. She was living in a time where she realized, I'm potentially the bride of a rich man. I'm potentially the master of all these people. I potentially own all of this. So she began to live in that time to lift her head up higher to the point came where the day came. The day was now at hand where this was now a year. And she done confessed the word that said, in a year, I'm going to be there. Let me tell you something. It's too late to retract this message. It's too late to take it back and say, well, maybe that wasn't also. It's too late. We've done confessed it. We've done said it. We've done believed it. We've done made our confession and our profession. And he's the high priest of it. He'll keep it. 
Praise be to God, but she got down to that point, and they begin to mock her, Brother Branham said. They begin to circle around her and say, look at you in this dress. Look at you. Oh, you think he's coming? And he says, about five minutes left. Yeah. Just right down to the end of the bare wire. Now here comes the, the clumping of horses, hooves, and the rolling of the wheels on the, on the carriage. There was someone coming down. There was a sound that began to take place. Oh, we sing that song. I keep listening for a different sound. I'm done with the sound of the naysaying and the mockery and all of these kinds of things. I'm listening for another sound. I'm listening for the horse's hooves. I'm listening for the rolling of the carriage wheels. I'm listening for something that's heavenly, that's going to bring to pass all of the potential that I have been promised. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Branham would say, and she just stood there, not a bit of blush in her. You know you're certain of something. You know when you do something and someone makes funny and you blush? It's because you weren't really sure of it. But when you're really sure of something and someone makes funny of you, you put them in their place. Because you're sure. You know you did the right thing. It doesn't matter what anyone else has to say because you know. She was to such a point where she had such a surety in the word of a year ago. She didn't even have a little bit of blush in her. There was no blush in all of, her, all of the mockery of her, of her sisters and her family. She had struggled, you know, but she had her wedding garment all fixed. His bride has made herself ready. See, she kept holding her flowers and waiting. They said, no, I told you you was wrong. He ain't coming. She said, I got five more minutes. Said, he'll be here. Oh, they just laughed. Sounds exactly like it wasn't Jesus' time. When he come in the room and he said, oh, she's just sleeping, they laughed. Him to scorn. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's dead. We've been examined by the best doctor today. She's dead. Jairus, leave the master alone. She's dead. But he says, no, she's only sleeping. Amen. He'd seen a vision. Oh, my, and this woman, right, she just jumped when that one come, they heard the galloping and the sand rolling out of those wheels. The old black buckboard stopped. She just jumped from between them, old sisters and cousins, in the doors and out the door. And he jumped out of the carriage and she flew into his arms. He said, it's all over now, honey. The suffering of this present time. It's not even worthy to be compared with the glory when it's all over. Little bride, what's important to us? What's so important to all of us? Our jobs, our homes, our children, our retirement, our bills, our mortgage, our debts, our inheritance, our family, our friends. Those all seem important, don't they? In this time, they are. See, we're a family, my friends, yeah. Your family, your friends. Except a man be willing to forsake. Father. Mother, sister, brother, he's not worthy. What's important? What's the number one place? Is it revolving around that? Well, as long as my father believes, as long as my brother believes, I'll still go. As long as this one's going to church, I'll go to church. As long as I don't get too hard, I'll keep going. What's important to you? Or is it all of those things revolving around one other thing? Getting ready. 
getting ready. Are we living in the now or have we been redeemed back to the original? What time are you living in? Have you deceived yourself in your heart to say, oh, no, I'm back, but I'm just, I'm worried about my job tomorrow. Or have you really been redeemed back to where this is all? I get, oh, I'm going to go here now. I get so amazed when people don't feel like church fits into their schedule. When I'll be honest with you, I've made it a point with my wife and I to say, our schedule, if it doesn't fit church, our schedule needs to change. There's something that's more important than the schedule. Say, I got to live my life, Brother Andrew. My children, they got to be in school the next day. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, I know they do. Is anything too hard for God? Are we living as creatures of eternity? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 10. This got serious now. Don't worry, it's going to get more serious. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 9. So thank you to Brother Moses for preaching what he did on Wednesday. He also gave me a little more liberty this morning. Because I really didn't want to preach this last week. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 9 says, And I went unto the angel, said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall be, it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Verse 10 says, And I took the book, the little book, out of the angel's hands and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, but as soon as I'd eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues. You say, what, what does that all mean? It's so easy to say. And it's so sweet in the mouth. And we say, yes, we're creatures of eternity. Yes, we've been redeemed back. Oh, yes, we are the Word made flesh. Oh, we are living attributes. She is Him. It's uniting time of Christ and His bride. And we're seated in heavenly places now. We're flesh of His flesh. We're bone of His bone. My life is not my own. I'm an expression of God's love. That sounds like wonderful revelation. And it sure is. It's a beautiful thing. But now swallow it. The revelation is so sweet. Now go live it. Go walk in wisdom now redeeming the time. Go live the revelation that you've been given. That's when it becomes bitter. That's when it becomes hard. Where all of a sudden now she is him and something happens at work that you just want to lash out. But you begin to realize, is that what God wants me to do? Am I here for a purpose? Am I at this job for a reason? Did God give me this family so I could just bend over backwards every time? Or so that I could be a testimony that I need to be where God wants me to be? That I need to be in service to God? I appreciate the way Brother Aaron McGarry said it where he said, you want to go to church or you want to stay home from church because your family's in town to visit. You got it backwards. Go to church because they're in town to visit. Show them whose side you're on. You're there as a testimony to them. It becomes hard, doesn't it? 
Now to live this out. I'm an expression of the love of God, but that person that did that to me, I'm going to tell them. Really? Let me finish this with another story. The Bram says this, you know there's something about women. If you ever get to feel Brother Bram's heart on women, read this quote. So there's something about women. I wish to God they would use it more, more of it. That there's something about them they don't just stand around and wonder like men. All the sisters said, amen. When your husband's sitting around wondering, he says, men, we stand around and wonder. We like to figure it all out. Women usually just go and do what's on their heart. I say, amen. Sisters, Brother Brown says, be more like that. Do what's on your heart. He said this, he's talking about now, he's beginning to do, expound upon the story of when Jesus was in Simon's house. This is actually where I started the series on wisdom by revelation. Jesus in Simon's house. And there came a woman. She was a woman of ill fame. But she said, I've got to do it. See, so she, she, she just gathered her robes together, picked up her little sock, was full of just every penny she had. Leaving the old shack, she goes down the street, real hurry. She looks over there, she starts, she, she, she's starting into the per, great perfume shop. And in this great perfume shop, she sees this old long hook-nosed Jew. Now Brother Brown begins to draw a contrast here because here he says she goes with everything she has to buy a perfume. And here's the man that owns the perfume store. He owns it all already. And he could have done what she was going to do. But he begins to think about it. He's counting his money and things that have been bought that day. He says, oh my, I haven't made all my expenses. All sour and broke up. Was what? He's looking at his circumstances. She was just as broke as he was, or more so. Everything she had, Brother Brown says, was in this little sock, every penny she had, and she was going to go take it and spend it on the most expensive perfume that he had. She was willing to go give it to him. She was more broke than he was ever going to be, but she didn't, didn't matter to her. She wasn't looking at the circumstances. She was only looking at one circumstance, and that was to get rid of everything that was going to hinder her from doing what she felt led to do. <clears throat> says, and the first thing you know, she walks in the door. Now, he don't treat her like a lady. He looks out and says, well, look who's out there. says, he don't walk out and say, could I help you do something? Say, well, what do you want? Man. And now Satan always does it when you want to do something for God. He puts everything in the way. Well, I was going to do this for God, but that person was rude to me. So maybe that's God telling me I shouldn't do it. No, maybe that's the devil trying to stop you from doing it. She said, I want the best alabaster box you got in the store. I want the best you've got. Clinks the money. Oh, when he sees the money, it's different now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I want the best you got. See? Oh, I read this to the young people a couple weeks ago, and it just, it's been on my heart ever since. He says, he is worthy of the best. What do you do for him? You just give him the leftover. So, yeah, I'm flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone in three minutes at night. Yeah, I'm just like I'm an expression of his love when I wake up for two minutes in the morning. He says, we just give him the leftover. Oh, yes, run around all day and give him three minutes at night before we go to bed. Jesus deserves your best. He deserves everything you got, but what do you do about it? You just give him anything. 
He takes it. He takes it anyhow. What a gentleman. He takes it. But she said this. She said, I want the best. And it cost her everything that she had. Hallelujah. Are you really worthy? Are you really willing? He says, that's what you want to do. Give him your best. Give him your best. Give him the best of your life. Give him the best of your songs. This is so good for young people and old people alike. Don't just wait till you're older to say, I'll give him those years. Give him the best years of your life. Give him the best of your songs. Give him all of your talent. Give him everything you've got. Give him your feet. Give him your hands. Give him your eyes. Give him your mouth. Give him your ears. Give him your soul. Give him your heart. Give him your praise. Give him everything you've got. Hallelujah. He deserves the best. She said, I want the best that you've got. Why? He said, let's see how much money you've got. No, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I would have been that guy who would have been saying, what, what do you want the best? Why? He wasn't even concerned about that. He never asked why. He just looked at the money. So she pours the sock out and counts it all up. Yep, 280 pieces of, of Roman denarii and just exactly what it costs. Hallelujah. God will give you exactly what it takes, not a penny short. Then he goes over, gets the box, sets it out for her. I have to tell this testimony. I don't know if Brother Brandon's here. I don't see him. No, he's not here. He told me a testimony, and it was it's so striking to me. He got in an accident here. Somebody hit his car, actually, I think what it was, in, in, in November. November, right? And he, he was there in November, and somebody hit his car, and he said, oh, this cost so much money to replace it and things. And he had to work the, the statutory holiday. So in that statutory holiday, it was devil pay or whatever it was, and he, he said, in the end of that, there was the exact amount of money on my check at the end of the day to pay for the fixes on my car and the tithes and offerings I would have paid on the money. You don't think God gives you right to the penny? He even knows how much tithes and offerings you pay regularly to give you just enough so that you won't only fix it and give you enough money for the natural cost. He says, oh, I'm also going to put a little something in there so you can bless me back. Oh, that's wonderful. Hallelujah. Brandon, if you're, if you're listening, God bless you. He says this, he says that she poured it all out. She sets it all out and hear him say, oh, I wonder what she's going to do with that. Where is she going out the door? Now he begins to wonder. It's too late now. She's gone. He begins to think, what's, he, what's she going to do with that? But it's better late than never. She's in a hurry. She's late, he says. But it's better late than never, isn't it? You've waited a long time, too. It's better to come now. Don't stay the way you are a long time. You've been wanting to really be a Christian. Waited a long time. It's getting pretty late. That's right. But go anyhow. Let this be the time. Let this be the morning that you'll say, I'm going to give it all the way to Christ. Let me ask you, church, who's on the Lord's side among us? Who is on the Lord's side among us? Who is willing to take the way with the Lord's despised few? Who is willing to forsake all for the cause of Christ? Who is willing to be led of the Lord and not earthly desires? Who is willing? Who is willing to be rejected of all men? Who is willing to stand for the Lord in the midst of all the mockery? Who is willing to stand in faith when you can't even explain it? Who is willing to bear the reproach of Christ? 
See, Brother Andrew, your voice is going good. It's just about time for it to. Who's willing? Who's willing? I'm asking you the question this morning. Who's willing to bear the reproach of Christ? Who's willing to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer? Who's willing for him to keep himself from being spotted by the world? Who's willing to walk in the wisdom of Jehovah? Who's willing to live as the redeemed? If you're willing, why don't you stand on your feet? If you're not willing, just sit down. I feel like kidding this morning. If you're scared, go home. If you're not willing to drink the most uncomfortable way possible, it was way more comfortable for them to get down on their knees and drink like nobody was around. But he said, I'm only taking the ones that are ready, that are alert, that are ready to fight. I'm only taking those ones. Are you ready? Are you willing to say, I'm not just going to be a a chewer of the word like a little baby and chew it up and spit it out once all the flavor's gone? No, swallow it down. It'll be bitter in your belly, but live it out. What are you willing to be just a Sunday morning Christian and say, well, I came Sunday morning. I've done my duty. Are you willing to live it on Monday? Are you willing to live it in your vacation to the hot spots? Are you willing to live it when you go to work? Are you willing? God could not bless Abraham till he separated from Lot. Slick of it. Abraham separated from Lot. What did he do? He took Lot up onto a high place. He looked over the plains of Mamre and the well-watered plains of Jordan. He said, go ahead, take your choice. Abraham had every right to say, Lot, you stay here. I'm going over there. Oh, my, but he chose wisdom. He said, God's watching over me no matter where I am. Lot, I know you don't got the face, so you choose. And Lot, of course, chose the bellwater plains of Jordan, and he went on down there. Lot didn't go there thinking, I'm a sinner now. Lot went there thinking, I'm still a Christian. I'm still a believer in Jehovah. I still follow the God of Abraham. We know these things because when the angels came down to Sodom and Gomorrah, they came to Lot's house, and they gave Lot an escape. Why? Because they still had a little bit of faith. Wasn't that he totally left God all behind, but his life didn't match his confession now. But there was a little family in Abraham and in Sarah that were down there in a desert. Life was hard. They'd made a confession. They'd chosen to walk with God, to walk according to the wisdom of God, no matter what the consequences, no matter what the circumstances, and it was hard. They didn't have stores they could go to. They didn't have places they could just go buy food. They had to do everything themselves. It was just them out there. It was a desert land. They had to constantly be nomad from place to place. It was hard. But they weren't a part of that Satan's Eden down there in Gomorrah. They were a part of another time. Church, this, this life, it's a hard life. All that live godly in Christ will suffer persecutions. It's a hard life. Lot still considered himself a follower, but he was satisfied with an earthly portion. Abraham wasn't satisfied with earthly portions. He was willing to live a hard life in constant rejection and everyone looking at him like he was something wrong. He was the outcast. 
say, are you sure about that? Brother? Yeah, okay, you go down for 25 years or 30 years, and you go telling everybody, I'm going to have a child. And you've got no children. And the doctor done said it's impossible. And you see how much of an outcast you are. Yeah, they'll cast you out. They won't want to have anything to do with you. You're crazy. You don't think that hasn't happened already? We've been saying for 50 plus, 60 plus years, there's going to be a rapture. There's a bride that we're living above the world. They're casting us out. They're looking at us like we're crazy. Every time I tell my boss, he says, you want to go fix a gas line? No, I'm going to preach a youth service. Wasn't it more fun to fix a gas line? No, it's more fun to be with the youth. You're crazy, Andrew. You can make money here, uh uh-huh, or I can make money in heaven. Go ahead. Look like I got three heads. That's fine. Abraham wasn't satisfied with it. He was looking for a different time. He was living in a different time. He was looking for an eternal city, a city whose builder and maker was God. We're not of this world. But don't let it just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer also. Don't be spotted by the world. Walking after the ways, we're walking after the ways of man and coming to church trying to say, oh, I'm a Christian. No, live it. I preach this to myself. Live it Monday. Live it Tuesday. It's hard. Live it when the going gets hard. The going gets rough. Have devotions with your children. Make sure they're having devotions on their own. Make sure there's a family altar. Make sure there's a time spent with God every day. Be sure that it's revolving around God. Husbands, be in your place. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Young people, walk in the statutes of the Lord. The hour is late. Who is on the Lord's side? We sing that little song together. Who will help us? If you don't mean it, don't sing it. If you mean it, sing it this morning. Brother John, if you help me out. Who is on the Lord's side among you? Who will help us join in the fight? Who is on the Lord's side among you? Oh, who is on the side? on the Lord.